Check, 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 check. The Utah Jazz have traded Rudy Gobert to the Minnesota Timberwolves for a cadre, a gaggle, a collection of draft picks. And a first-round pick from this year, Walker Kessler, plus Malik Beasley, plus Jared Vanderbilt. Rudy's gone! Oh, no! But a ton of picks grabbed. We'll find out your thoughts, your comments, all the rest. We are live in a reaction to the Rudy Gobert trade here on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and holy cow, reacting to the Jazz trading my beloved Rudy Gobert. Um, all right, some quick thoughts. I'm hoping to have Leaf Tulin from Locked On NBA Big Board on the show to give us a breakdown of one of the picks. Walker Kessler was a 2020 pick. Tim Lacombe might stop by for a few minutes. I'll try to get your reaction to this. Here's, here's my first comment on this pick and this trade. For years, we've wondered whether or not the Utah Jazz whether the rest of the league valued Rudy Gobert the way we did. What we found out today is that Tim Conley, the basketball guru of the Minnesota Timberwolves, does believe in Rudy Gobert that much. As one person said to me in the NBA, holy cow, that's not what they said, you got the James Harden package without James Harden. So... We will certainly talk about that. And from that standpoint, it does seem as though the Jazz, if they were going to trade Rudy Gobert, got a massive haul. Or the potential, let's be honest, the potential for a massive haul, because you know, if Minnesota clicks in, all these picks are 27. Then, eh. The other thing is what's next. And I don't feel like we're it's an, we're on the verge of a tank because it actually is ad, disadvantageous to do that because we don't have our pick two years from now. And so what's next? And the third thing is Rudy. And that sucks. I love Rudy. I love watching Rudy. I love watching Rudy dominate. I love Rudy's tenacity. I love Rudy's fact that he just changes every game he's ever a part of. I love the fact that we knew how great Rudy was and everyone else didn't. I loved the fact that Rudy changed everything. I loved Rudy's fire. I love the fact that Rudy was one of the best off-the-court people. I loved Rudy's community involvement. I think Rudy's terrific. And I will miss calling his games. I will miss interacting with him. I will miss him immensely. The other thing I would say about this package, this trade package, is... This does not answer a real question that I've had this whole time is did the Jazz really go into the offseason and just decide we're trading Rudy Gobert? And I don't know that from this. And here's my point. Had the Jazz traded Rudy Gobert for John Collins, Kevin Herter, and a first-round pick, I would have been like, well, we clearly decided we were done with Rudy. But when you trade Rudy for Malik Beasley and Jared Butler, both who can play and probably will start for us as of our roster sits right now, 
And both can play. Jared Butler's got some limited shooting ability. He's a heck of a defense player, great rebounder, very athletic, plays a little four, plays a little five, positional length. Malik Beasley's a bona fide, legit scorer in the league, averaged for a very short period of time, averaged 20 points a game, but generally a 16, 15 play, legit scorer in the league. Nice player. And you get four first-round draft picks, three of which are unprotected, one of which is top five, and you get last year's first-round draft pick, and you get the 2020 first-round draft pick. I actually no longer know that they went into the offseason trying to make a trade for Rudy Gobert. What I do know is that they got a draft pick that is or a haul that's so significant they had to trade Rudy Gobert. Did I not call him Vanderbilt? Did I say something different about him, Jared Vanderbilt? What did I say? I don't know. All right. Uh, quickly, Walker Kessler is one of the picks, and Leaf Tulin is our locked-on NBA big board host, and he's hopefully parked, not driving. If you're driving, I'm going to make you. I'm going to make you stop. I'm um, parked, but you're off on your way to go do other things. We only have a few minutes with you. Quickly, tell us a little bit. Oh, I said Jared Butler. I meant Jared Vanderbilt. Jared Butler's still on our team. Jared Vanderbilt. So thank you. Going crazy here. Uh, tell us quickly. It's not a huge part of the deal, but, and so I don't want to like, it's in the top of the show. I'm breaking all the rules, but your time was limited. Tell us a little bit of who Walker Kessler is and like, can he play at all? Walker Kessler is a shot blocking extraordinaire at the college level. He led the big five or the power five slash power six conferences in college basketball. If you want to include the biggies in shot blocks. And uh, he did that by a wide margin. So a lot of Jazz fans will think, oh, wow, we got the next Gobert. That's not necessarily the case. He doesn't slide his feet or defend on the perimeter like Gobert. But he is a serviceable drop coverage big who finishes well around the rim, has adequate touch that I'm not sure is NBA three-point ready. But he defends, and he is an eraser around the rim. And he's got potential. Um, It just depends how he develops it. And that's something we said about Gobert, and he obviously maximized that unbelievably. So Walker Kessler is an interesting piece for the future. And what is your high-end projection on Walker Kessler? What's your likely case scenario on Walker Kessler? And what's your bottom-end case on Walker Kessler? My high-end for Walker Kessler is about a Jakob Pertle role with a little okay. more length, maybe a better shot blocker than Pertle. Um, I think that's the high-end. The likely is a, a bench big, um, someone who plays with energy, blocks shots, and can, can finish lobs. And low end, he's he's just not able to slide his feet well enough in a transitioning to a more mobile big basketball um, that the NBA is transitioning into. The the age of big centers has started to die off a little bit, and I worry that his lack of lateral foot speed has him have a tough transition. But I, I do think he'll be able to play uh, play NBA basketball at least at the reserve level. And so uh, where and that's uh, you may have just answered it. You. You are, one of the great things about your draft coverage is you're willing to take a stand. You're not one of these guys who just gives you the breakdown of the player and, and unwilling to take a stand to your credit from the very beginning of the draft coverage. You said Jabari Smith should not be the number one pick of the draft, and then he was not the number one pick of the draft, and so I give you great credit for that because you did not go with the masses, and people generally thought you were nuts when you put out your first big board. Where was Walker Kessler on your big board this year? Walker Kessler slid down my big board, so Jazz fans may not like that. He was in the lower, uh, kind of mid to low second round for me because I thought there were a lot of wings that that had better upside in the modern NBA. I think Walker Kessler's upside was higher than most of the people I had ahead of him in that second round, but I thought his low side was lower than than some of those guys I had ahead. Um, I think he was a guy that 
recency bias may have had an impact on my evaluation because Auburn played Miami in the Sweet 16, I want to say, or maybe it was the round of 32. And he got played off the court effectively by really, really quick small guards, and they were able to draw him out on switches. And I think that that being the last game I saw of Kessler made me a little sour by him. But it's hard to overlook, if you look back at, at his film, the amazing shot-blocking potential and the way he recovers to block shots. Yeah, how does he – this will be the last Walker-Kessler question, then we'll get back to the trade. Because I don't think that Walker-Kessler is a major piece of this because Minnesota's who offered, and that happens to be Minnesota's pick. This is not the same thing as when the Jazz drafted Donovan Mitchell with Denver's pick and when the Jazz drafted Rudy Gobert with Denver's pick. Though generally trading with Tim Conley has been a very good script for the Utah Jazz so far in their career. Both those trades were done with Tim Conley. Um, how does Walker Kessler, who blocked five shots a game, 4.67 shots a game in like 22 minutes, how does he block shots? He does it as a drop big, and sometimes he's able to switch and recover and block it off the backboard. His timing is incredible. He's got very long arms. And I think in the NBA, for him to block shots, it'll be a drop coverage big who challenges guards to go over him, and he's able to kind of use that Roy Hibbert verticality and long arms to block shots and influence shots much like Gobert, who didn't have as many blocks as he influenced shots. Life thing, thank you very much. Appreciate it very much for jumping on. Um, and uh, you can catch uh, Leaf with uh, Rafael Barlow, Richard Stamen, and Sam Ferris on Locked on NBA Big Board. They did amazing work this year leading in the draft. They're still going every day, so grab them on that. So thank you very much, Leaf. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Of course. That is Lee from Locked On NBA Big Board. Just giving you a little piece of that puzzle there. Special edition live Locked On Jazz today. Uh, brought to you by all our regular people. We're going to eat lots of built bars during the show today. Uh, just to keep our energy up. And uh, thank them for it. Locked. Uh, brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai as well. All right. So this is Danny Ainge's model. Danny Ainge has just pulled off the Danny Ainge aspect of things. The Jazz have just pulled off. Here's the key part of this trade. And Walker Kessler's not it, but that we had a chance to get a breakdown on a player I didn't know anything about. 2023 unprotected first-round pick. 2025 unprotected first-round pick. 2027 unprotected first-round pick. 2026 pick swap. 2029 top five protected first-round pick. So the Jazz just got themselves four first-round picks, three of them unprotected. And if we happen to be good in 2026 and they're not, we get another one. And we just got Walker Kessler and all those other deals. Now, here's the key to the whole thing to me. Minnesota's all in right now with D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, and Rudy Gobert. They might be really, really good. It might work. And I generally believe if Rudy's on your roster, you win 50 games. However, it might not. And Minnesota is one of the five, you can put Utah on it too, Timberwolves fans, don't get mad at me, is one of the five least appealing cities to play in in the NBA. It's a bad arena with bad fans and bad weather. No, not bad fans, lack of fans. It's bad arena, lack of fans. Like, literally, I walked into that arena with an NBA player two years ago, maybe three years ago. When are we getting out of this joint? When do we stop playing here? So when you suddenly, it's one thing if you make a trade with the L.A. Lakers or the Miami Heat or one of these teams and they give you a bunch of unprotected picks, you know that they're generally going to be good because they have free agents and they don't need picks to be good and they can do all these things. But Minnesota's not about to start signing free agent players. 
Minnesota's not about to be able to, like, there's a real chance players demand out of Minnesota. The same way there's a real chance about demanding out of Utah. I'm not, like, don't, I'm not thrashing Minnesota, like, not understanding the place where I'm sitting. But quite honestly, it's one of the single least appealing cities in all of the NBA for a player to play at. So when you suddenly have their 2023 unprotected, their 2025 unprotected, their 2027 unprotected, their 2029 top five protected, and a pick 12, there's a real chance that somebody on that team says, I'm out. Now, there's also a real chance they're in Seattle. No, I'm just kidding. There's also a real chance that the Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, doesn't work. I mean, they are going massively big in a league that feels like it's going spread and skilled. And that to me is the craziest part about this is you just got three unprotected and a fourth and a possible pick swap on a team that's doing something that's zigging where everyone else is zagging. This is a deal that has so many assets to it that I honestly can tell you I don't know whether the Jazz went into the offseason demanding, deciding they were going to trade Rudy Gobert. Maybe. Seems likely. But they ran around the league to see what they're going to get, and none of us had this. None of us had this. Now, let's be clear about something. Before we get too crazy, I try to be... I'm, I'm trying to be balanced, trying to give you an honest answer, trying not to, hey, I'm wearing a Jazz logo right here. Like, here's, let's take the other angle here for a second. You get all these picks, and I generally am not always a believer in all these picks because I think they end up in the 20s, and you get a bunch, you hit about every other pick. And so, you know, there's a chance that we just traded Rudy Gobert. Like, the worst case scenario here is we just traded Rudy Gobert for four first-round, five first-round picks, Walker Kessler being one of them. Balmero being another. So six first-round picks from 2020. They're all in the 20s, and only three of them become players. And they only become rotation players. That's your worst-case scenario right now. The likely-case scenario is you start using some of those picks to acquire other talent. And the best-case scenario is that Minnesota, like, implodes, and Danny Ainge has pulled off his Brooklyn-Boston Celtics. Again, remember when the Boston Celtics traded Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and everybody to to Brooklyn and they had Darren Williams and a fourth player I can't think of right now that was great. No one ever thought he was walking out of that trade with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. No one ever thought that was a possibility. Now there is a chance here that the Jazz go crazy and hit and there's a chance that they get three rotation players and it's somewhere wildly in between. Joe Johnson was the other player. Thank you very much, Stockton. Wildly in between. Yes, I was on the golf course watching my daughter when the trade broke, so I have my sleeves on if you're wondering why I'm wearing sleeves. So I think that when you look at this, this deal is like so many assets, you couldn't not take it. The analogy I used with Scotty and Hans was this. I live in Park City, Utah, as you guys probably know. And we have had this crazy real estate rush going on. And we got a knock on a door from a realtor that I know super well. Um, actually, I'll give her a plug. Jenny Hogan, great realtor out in Park City if you ever need someone. And she called me up basically and said, hey, I, 
would you be willing to sell your house? I have some buyers. What's your number? So I went and put the number down the math and did all the stuff. And then I got to this crazy, crazy number. And I started to call and I was like, they might take it and I don't want to do the deal. So I upped the number like a huge amount, considerably like life-changing dollar figure number, even up a little bit more. I really didn't have any interest in moving at all out of the house we were built ourselves. And all of a sudden, like I said, it, this would be as if the person came back and said yes. And then I've been like, honey, we're moving. Because that's how big a haul this is. By the way, Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley can play a little. Like, not just a little. Like, I think as of right now, that would be our starting lineup. Are we any good? I don't know. I got to think about that. Are we as good tomorrow? Winning games? No, because Rudy's great. Because Rudy's one of the five most impactful players in all of the NBA. And we got a haul for him. And Danny's starting to put his model on this. Contract-wise, Malik Beasley is $15.6 million right now with a club option for next year. That's an incredibly appealing contract that I think could likely get the Jazz another asset. Patrick Beverly is $13 million player, with, and he expires. And Jared Vanderbilt is $4 million this year and $4 million next year, which is just a great deal, and then an unrestricted free agent. you got to figure out what you're going to do. I'd go talk to him about an extension. And I believe the Jazz, though I have not done this math, Dan Clayton is better at this, and I haven't seen if he's tweeted. Um, he probably has. I didn't get enough chance to look at this. Dan Clayton, uh, I think we have about $40 million of cap space. Here's what our draft capital now is, and I'm not sure that we've totally decided that we're rebuilding. 2023, we probably have Philadelphia's pick, and we have Minnesota's unprotected pick, and we have our own pick. So we now have three first-round picks in 2023. In 2024, we have no picks. So for those who are wondering if we're going to tank, the logic would be we're not tanking until 2025 if we're going to tank. In 2025, we have Minnesota's pick and unprotected in our pick. In 2026, we have our pick. In 2027, we have and 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 we have Minnesota. In 2026, we have Minnesota's pick or our pick, whichever is better. In 2027, we have our first pick and Minnesota's first. In 2028, we have our first. And in 2029, we have our first and Minnesota's first-round pick, top five protected. Pretty crazy. Um, All right, this is just out on Twitter. The Jazz are set up to have as much as $40 million in cap space in 2023. That just gives us assets to either get more picks the way Oklahoma City has done it, or it allows us to uh, try to sign a free agent, but that's not really ideal. All right, let me quickly summarize. We're 20 minutes in. I can see the numbers coming. People are joining and coming in. So let me summarize, and then I'll try to get, I mean, the chat room's going crazy. I don't know if I can get to all the questions. First off, I just love Rudy. Just more than anything else, just love and adore and appreciate Rudy Gobert for everything he's done for us. His tenacity every night, his fierce competitiveness, his development from the guy that walked up the Staples Center with Ian Clark with it rolling his suitcase and staying the night in the La Quinta Hotel by LAX because he was going to be uh, because he was going to the G League. On On a basketball note, watching him play, dominate every night, I just love Rudy. On a personal note, I have enjoyed 
So many great conversations with Rudy, the longest of which other than a dinner was actually the day he did the microphone thing. I walked out with him and spent just a great, had a great conversation. His love for the game. His, uh, we had a wonderful dinner in New Orleans where I found out how much he truly just loved the game. I had a wonderful time. He, he's just a great dude. His heart is real. I was there the day he cried. That was about his mom. And Hafton tells his mom he didn't make the All-Star. His love for his mother, when they walk in the back aisle, uh, back uh, way, just incredible. And I, Rudy has not shared publicly all of the things he's done for members of our organization or our community. And so I'm going to respect that. But there are stories I wish I could tell you right now about Rudy Gobert and the depth of his heart and his care and what he's done for people. I, I hope people just start coming out in droves telling their stories because there are droves of people that can tell their story and tell the stories of what Rudy's done for their families. And these are, at times, $10,000 checks and, at times, $100,000 checks. And they're not ever public. And they're never done because he can do it in some kind of obnoxious way that he's never touched the person before. But they're done for people who he legitimately cares about, who are connected to him, who are, are have helped him and mean something to him. And he's incredible. So that's the first thing. And 27 should most definitely hang in our rafters. And we'll go to, and I will still believe that Rudy is a top 10 most impactful player in the NBA. And when we start talking about these draft picks, as long as Rudy is on Minnesota, they're going to win a lot of games. So let's start there. Let's understand that. I, none of My opinion of Rudy as a player has not changed on one ounce of how great I think he is. He is truly... Now, I said it today on the podcast, his impact in the playoffs is getting minimized because the teams that make the playoffs are the teams that can combat him. That is true. But don't slander this guy's game in any way, shape, or form. And if he can turn Minnesota with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns into a good defensive team, they'll rename the statue of the Defensive Player of the Year award after him because Cat and D'Angelo are like the worst defensive players in the world. Now, from a Jazz standpoint, we've talked about the Hall. It's massive. It's got the potential to either be, really, on one end, the potential is that it's five rotation players. In The math would say, so Balmero, Kessler, and four first-round picks, that three of those become, that, that, that they're all 20s, three of them hit, that's the math, and Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt. So five, your worst-case scenario here is you got five rotation players, no stars. The best-case scenario is that Cat and Rudy don't get along. Anthony Edwards says, I want out of Minnesota. D'Angelo Russell something. And they just, and and Kat's a funky dude, and that they just don't pull it together. And we get, and Danny Ainge has done it again. And the likely case scenario is somewhere in the middle. It seems as though that's, if you're going to make this trade, you're going to do it. What's next? I don't know. I really don't know. The first question everybody is saying to me is, is Donovan Mitchell going? The word is no. 
The word is the Jazz are trying to plan around Donovan Mitchell. Is Donovan Mitchell okay with that? I don't know. But Danny Ainge just set the market for Donovan Mitchell. And it's evidently about five first-round draft picks. And if Donovan Mitchell wants to go, then Donovan Mitchell wants to go. But the organization is trying to build something new and build there, and Donovan is supposed to be a large part of it. And they want him to be a large part of it, and I want him to be a large part of it because I love to watch him develop, and we're only going to watch him understand who he is and become better and better and better. The next piece is like, what's the rest of our roster? Our roster right now is Mike Conley and Jared Butler at our guards with Patrick Beverly. I don't know if we're keeping Patrick Beverly. That was one of the questions in the chat room. Let me, let's back up. Here's the question. Like, here's one of the questions come in. Utah rebuilding. Not certain. I'm not certain we're rebuilding. I'm not sure that we're, until Donovan's traded, do I think that we're, I'm certain that we're, um, rebuilding. If we move Donovan, then certainly um, we're on our way. The fact that the Jazz got a first-round pick um, for Royce O'Neal as well in the midst of this means they have a lot of assets and they have a lot of pieces, and we get to see what they're going to be able to do next um, and where they use those. So I'm not certain that we're re- we're necessarily rebuilding yet. What I do think is that we are in a position now where we can kind of go in multiple directions, and we couldn't do that before. Um, it is heartbreaking for me that we traded Rudy Gobert, and I kind of like the trade. Like that's the best way I can probably say it. Jared Vanderbilt's an interesting, let me jump through kind of the other pieces. We heard about Walker Kessler. We'll see whether he can play or not. Jared Vanderbilt's actually a pretty interesting piece for the next two years. He's great positional size. He's 6'9", 220. He's really good defensively, really good defensively. And I think he might have even guarded Donovan at times last year. Um, he is a fabulous rebounder for his position, unlike kind of the contrast to Boyan. And he is... The, and he is a terrible shooter. Okay. Like that is his problem. He is not a good shooter. So he's really at best if he's a center and he's, and he can play center, he can cut and he can play around the basket and he can do those kind of things. Um, That's where he's at his best is if he can do play in that, in that manner um, let's see whether let's see what I got here. I was trying to look up what Vanderbilt did against the Jazz defensively last year, and I don't think it's coming up. Um, so I think that's uh oh, I know why because I had my filters on both sides. Um, so he's an interesting piece. Is he like he's a he's a really nice like if you were building a team tomorrow, I would want Jared Vanderbilt on my roster. Like that's a nice piece to have. He does a lot of different things. Um, last year, Donovan Mitchell shot one of five last year when guarded by Jared Vanderbilt. Boyan went five of 12 
Rudy Gobert went 0 for 2. Jordan Clarkson went 0 for 2. Mike Conley went 0 for 2. So he's a switchable 1 through 5 kind of player. Um, and can and, and can defend. He's a far better defensive player than Royce O'Neal. How about the comment by Kevin Pelton that Royce O'Neal is a better offensive player than defensive player last year? Um, and the Jazz got a first-round draft pick for him. Um, the players that Vanderbilt guarded the most was LeBron James, who went eight of eighteen when being guarded by LeBron and one of five or one of five from three. Giannis tore him up. He went nine of thirteen. He guarded Jokic for a decent amount. Jokic went six of 12. He, Jaron Jackson, he guarded. Paul George went five of 12. Shea Gilgis Alexander went four of 10. So, I mean, he ended up guarding a lot of these guys. You know, he, his main five guys he guarded were LeBron James, Brandon Ingram, Jaron Jackson, Boyan Bogdanovich, Harrison Barnes, Jeremy Grant, Tobias Harris. So he guards wing good players. Uh, Malik Beasley is a bona fide scorer who has a really good contract that the Jazz probably could move for another asset if they wanted to. And, um, you know, can score 15 to 18 points a game. And frankly, if we were to move, I don't know that we will, but if we were to move Mike Conley and Malik Beasley becomes our starting two, which is a very natural position for him, we go from being 6-1-6-1 to being Malik Beasley 6-5. We go back to being more positionally 6-4, I guess, is the official title on Beasley. Beasley's also 25 years old. He is a career 39% three-point shooter. He was taking nine a game last year. He's averaged 20 in only 37 games in the COVID year. He averaged 12 last year in 25 minutes. Dude can play. So, and then Patrick Beverly, I don't know. All right. The chat room's going crazy. We got a thousand people tuning in live right now. Um, and I think I've summed up most of my thoughts on it. Um, I'll try to take a bunch of questions here. Think Bev until, uh, think we keep Bev until the trade deadline and trade him to a contender. You know, he's a, he plays hard. He's a great character guy. He's a lot of fun. You got to root for him when he's on your team and hate him when he's on the other team. Um, if somebody wants him, I think we'll find out. If they don't, he only helps you. Plays with energy, plays with tenacity, plays hard, brings a little toughness. So, um, you know, see what he, happens. After the season, you thought Conley getting traded was almost a necessity as of today. What do you think the likelihood of Conley getting traded is? Um, in one sense, the fact that he hasn't been moved, and I don't know where he would possibly go, leads me to believe that there's less chance of him getting traded. On the other side, you now have a starting two in Malik Beasley, which means there's more chance of him getting traded. Um, I don't think the Jazz are done yet. I think there's still more pieces to this puzzle, but this was probably the first one that had to go. Um, is Donovan Mitchell the point guard? We have to trade Bev and Conley. M more moves got to be on the way. I think that's probably correct. Do you think Anthony Edwards is sad he couldn't get Chris Dapps and had to settle for Rudy? Philip, you're awesome. I love you. Tony Jones. Tony Jones says we are retooling, not rebuilding. Does that mean Ainge will try to put a team out of the court that will contend this year? Um, I. So the essence of our team was Rudy Gobert, both offensively and defensively. Right? Rudy made us both offensively and Rudy made us both defensively. And so 
are we going to be able to contend without Rudy Gobert is a really, really difficult question to answer. We're going to be a, just a, as of right now, we're just a dramatically different basketball team. As of right now, if we have Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, and Boyan Bogdanovich without anyone behind them and we're switching one through five, we're going to have a miserable time trying to defend. But we might be really incredible offensively, so whether Will Hardy adds the ball movement he talked to with Holly Rowe or what, whatever we do. I don't know right now. I also don't think this is our roster yet. Um, what I do think is that, you know, if we're going into full rebuild mode, then we're trading Donovan. As long as Donovan is still on our roster, we have a bona fide star and we're trying to probably win. And then we're going to build a roster around Donovan. And we probably have a lot more moves still to make. What are your thoughts on Aiton and how he'll fit with Donovan? Well, I didn't know we have Aiton. So um, if that's happened, someone probably needs to tell me that we're doing another live show. Um, the um, If we sign and trade for Aiton um, and make Phoenix match it, that gets super interesting if they do the Kevin Durant deal that everyone expects them to do. Um, I like DeAndre Aiton. He's the number one pick of a draft. I like DeAndre Aiton a lot. I don't know what happened in Phoenix that got them so sour on him, but I do... Um, I do really, really like Aiton's skill set, ability, and I thought he became a much better defensive player and actually rated really well defensively over the last year. Um, the experts are saying a lot of things. Sometimes they know, sometimes they don't. Um, so, you know, the experts say Donovan's gone. Um, I, I don't know that to be true. And I don't, if he's not gone, we got a chance to build a pretty interesting team because Donovan's still really, really good. And we're the number one offensive team in the league and we can still do a lot of things. And, but, you know, trying to win without Rudy is going to be really hard. Rudy's that great. And you know why Rudy, you know how I can promise you that Rudy's that great? Because we just got four first round draft picks and and a rookie that, pick this year. So really five first round draft picks for Rudy Gobert. That he's great. You don't get five first round draft picks for a guy that's that's not great. All right. That is the emergency edition of Locked on Jazz. Sum it all up. A package so big that I don't know even at this moment whether they actually positively went into the offseason knowing they were trading Rudy. And a collection of picks enough for a long enough period of time out that allows the Jazz to navigate this and continue to maybe take different routes. If Donovan demands a trade and has to be out, they've started the, the gaggle of picks that they need to start the rebuild. If Donovan's staying, they have a gaggle of picks they can use to try to build around Donovan. They now have some roster flexibility and some movement that they really did not have prior. And it's Danny Ainge following the model and pulling off. And if Minnesota has problems, this is it. This goes down. Danny Ainge has pulled off two biggest heists maybe in the history of the NBA. Jason Tatum for Malik Fitz. Uh, for, uh, not Malik Fitz. That would be really. Um, I'm spacing. Uh, Marcel, Markel Fultz. Uh, and, a, and, the, and a pick. And the Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce trade. Has he just pulled off another one? Time will tell. But this is a. A, a massive haul. As someone in the league said to me, the Jazz got the James Harden deal 
and they didn't have James Harden. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it. Have a good one.